Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. How y'all doing? Good, good. Well, in case you didn't hear, it is Valentine's Day, and because it is Valentine's Day, we decided we would uh, do something a little special there with a song. And, um, uh, Made me want to dance. All the married couples out there, ready to dance yeah, to that song? Yeah. yeah. The only problem is, if you see me dance, that would make you not want to <laughs> dance. because uh, We have I, four left feet up here. That's right. It's bad. It's bad. Um, anyway, so my wife uh, screamed at me yesterday. She screamed. She walked in the room. She just screamed. She said, um, um, you haven't heard a single word I've said. And I thought to myself, what a crazy way to start a conversation. <laughs> and my husband and I often laugh about how competitive we are, but actually I laugh more. Oh, well. So today, um, today we get to talk about uh, love and marriage, and, and you know, normally we try to mold these sermons to be a little more applicable to all different stages of life, and there'll be stuff you'll find applicable to all different stages of life. If you're single, listen, um, there are things in here you can learn, there are things you can learn about communication, you can learn about yourself, how you view this world, but, but today, because, you know, it landed on Valentine's Day and all that kind of stuff, we w- wanted to really focus, and um, we wanted to be intentional. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk today from a passage that uh, deals with marriage and deals with how men and women relate to one another within marriage. And, and I, just, I just need to say this. Uh, we all have filters, right? We all have filters, ways that we understand things that sometimes they're messed up. Uh, sometimes our filters get goofed up, correct? Does that happen, right? So we're going to talk about a passage today that's had some goofed up filters. So uh, when your filter gets goofed up, though, things get really, really weird. So we have a little video to show you of a time recently a guy's filter got goofed up. Mr. Ponton, I believe you have a filter turned on in the video settings. Uh, You might want to... uh, Uh Take we're trying look. to, we're tr- can you hear me, Judge? I can hear you. I think it's a filter. It, in the- it is, and I don't know how to remove it. I've got my assistant here. She's trying to, but uh, I'm prepared to go forward with it. That's, I'm here live. It's not, I'm not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can see that. Um, I think if you click the up arrow next to the all right, so that's our, that's our video, and what happens when you get the wrong filter is it can be hilarious, but it can also be uh, quite damaging. Uh, there are two types of filters, and the first one is presentation. The presentation, the way you present something. So the first filter that we're going to try and uh, help, uh, help us clean out today is our presentation, how we present things. So we, believe it or not, the Bible says where words are many, sin is not absent. So the more you talk, the more you say things wrong. Th- that, that's just really good right there. That's the truth. I, as a preacher, I make my living talking, and I talk about God, I talk about the scriptures, and I know I've said stuff that came out wrong, and came out, maybe it was even wrong to begin with, but it comes out wrong, and I'm going to say, 
sorry if that's ever happened, you've ever been burned by one of my filters, I apologize for that. But my presentation isn't always right. But sometimes my presentation is right. And it's your perception of what's being said. So it's how you hear it. So today we're going to look at, we, we need to clean out the filter of both perception and perceiving. So, um, yeah, that's, that's really good because a lot of us, we hear things through our preconceptions rather than what somebody's saying. I mean, that, that's never happened to me. I mean, I've never heard her wrong in all of our years. That's of right. That's We're going right. to tell a little story about a time something <laughs> was heard through a different filter. So go ahead. So we love to kayak. And um, in fact, a few years ago, we've kayaked for years, but a few years ago for Mother's Day, we actually bought individual kayaks. Right. But sometimes we love to go, especially me, in a single kayak, two people kayak. Um, the reason single kayak's that, what we have, but w most of our stories are going today are around a double kayak, double. meaning two seats in the kayak. And I love personally those single one, you know, two people one kayak because he does the majority of the work, and I love that. But um, but this story is going to revolve around throughout this message about this one situation that happened in a kayak. And um, we were paddling; we had a destination, so I was in the front, he was in the back, which puts him in the position of steering. And he said a phrase to me that I took completely different than the way that he had intended. He said, "You row harder on the left side." Now. My ears heard that to say, Robin, row harder on the left side, right? But the way he said it and he intended to say it, which I found out about four hours later when we were talking about this, he was saying a statement like, Robin, it was you, an observation. It was an observation. You row harder. And I don't know whether you've ever been in a kayak, but if one person rows harder on one side than the other, it kind of is a problem. So... If you would, would you stand with me to your feet? And we're going to read this scripture for today together. Um, this passage is in Ephesians 5. We're going to go back and we're going to handle the whole thing from verse 21 in a couple of moments. But let's start with 533. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Could we read it together? Everybody out loud. Here we go. However... Each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. There are two key words there. We'll talk about those two key words, and then we'll talk about sort of the foundation it all sits on as we go through. Um, one, one other thing before we do this. If you're in the room and you're single and you're not married, you don't have a spouse, whatever that may be, listen, you're, you're not incomplete I know that there's some of that thinking out there. You're not incomplete. Jesus himself was single, and Jesus was as complete as anybody can be. And if you're looking for another person to complete you, you complete me. If you're looking for that, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to wind up being a complete mess. So you don't need somebody else to complete. You need to be a complete person, secure in yourself. And if you are married, you still need to be a complete person, complete in yourself, and your spouse needs to be the same. And then the two of you can work together because we're talking about a partnership here, not, a, yeah, not, not a half of a person without them. That's just, that's romantic bull malarkey. Um, and what I would like us to do is let's just drop some of these filters and let's just listen. And some of the things that you're going to hear today um, even if you're single, they're going to apply to you because you need to identify how you approach problems and issues and struggles in your life, okay? 
So, Father, I pray that today you would speak to us through the Word of God. I pray our hearts would be open. I pray that we would learn to be complete people in Jesus. And I pray that your Word would come alive in our heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Turn and smile at somebody before you're seated. Hey, if you're online, here's your big smile today. Yeah, yeah, big smile. Good to see you. All right. So there are three words that we're going to talk about today, and we're going to describe in this passage Three things that, uh, three words that describe how to have a healthy marriage. First one is love for her. So ladies, what do we need? What do we need? We need love, right? And there's nothing Ooh, wrong. I thought it was diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> lucky for you, lucky for you. Um, but we need love. As a matter of fact, we can see this in so many different ways. Um, one of the ways that we had talked about is, um, you know, when you look at any Disney movie. What the, is the, the little girl movies? The yeah. little girl movies. Yeah. What is the main character? Always. Come on. What's the main character? A princess. princess. Yes. So the guy is only there to be handsome and to show up and make her feel good. Yes. Yes. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm, I'm serious, right? The guy is there to be her romance, to, to meet her needs, but she is the center of the universe. Correct? Yeah, and it's funny to me that it, Disney and other places like Disney are telling us all kinds of things about human sexuality and the idea of ourself, and they're pushing all these different agendas on us, you know, about what it means to be a male and what it means to be a female and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. But when they need to make money, when they need a hit, they always go back to what works. And that's that the little girl is the princess because every girl wants to be valued in the core of who you are. You want to be valued. You want to be special. You want to be loved. And that's what every woman wants. And, and I, I'm going to go off on this for just a second. I, I am amazed by it. I'm amazed by the way our culture is trying to sell us uh, that we're not unique of people that ladies don't have special needs and guys don't have special needs that we're all the same and you know you can choose what your needs are and choose your identities and they're selling us all of this until they want to make money off of you because I picked up a lot of guys magazines in my life and not once have I seen a makeup commercial in a guys magazine <laughs> we do not in guys magazines I do not find multiple recipes on how to make a new level of souffle it's not in guys' magazines. And I go to girls' magazines, and I don't find out how to deal with jock itch. <laughs> or how to make your muscles bigger. And it's funny to me that what, what wants to happen here is they're telling us that we're not different. You're not different. You're not different. That's what the world says over and over and over again until they need to make money. And when they need to make money, they recognize that we are actually different, and we are designed different ways. And like your phone gets off kilter sometimes, so what do you do? Or your computer, you turn it off and you reset it and it goes back to the, the default settings. Default. So, so we have default settings? We do have default settings, the God ordained inside of you. And if you're having issues, we would recommend go back to your default settings, go back and research how God made you and how special you are to him because you are not a loser. And he knew exactly what he was doing when he knit you in your mother's womb. He knew That's who right. you'd be. That's right. You can preach that. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll, I'll say amen for you. <laughs> Show them how it's done there. All right. So uh, default settings are bad. So ladies, the first thing we need to say is just because you need to be loved, it doesn't mean you're wrong. It means actually that's how God designed you. And that's okay. So 
Guys, just because you have trouble loving, it doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means that's how you're designed. So you know what we're going to see in this passage we're going to read? We're going to read a lot of instructions to guys on how to love. Man, there's a lot of examples. There's a lot of statements in here. So we're going to read the passage, and then we're going to walk through the statements that are made. So if you got your Bible, keep it open there. Uh, Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives. Do you want to, you want to go ahead? Read it. Go ahead. Okay. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they do their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but they fed and cared for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Wow. So there are seven statements. I'm, I'm going to help you pull them out. These are literal statements there. What we're going to try to do is give a little bit of an illustration there. So number one, number one, give himself up. The first thing that you do when you love, you give yourself up as Christ said the church. So we are trying to think. We've been married 32 years and about some practical ways. These sound, these sound, ooh, you know, like how do I... How do I provide? How do I cover her faults? How do I do that? So some practicality. So when I think of give himself up, um, we had three kids and it was inevitable that every single year about this time, uh, someone would get that dreaded, dreaded green on their face and at two o'clock in the morning you would hear a sound that was, you know, you know what I'm talking about, moms and dads in the room. Okay, that meant somebody is not having a good night and they're potentially throw up all There's over the place. Throwing up everywhere. Because I don't know why my kids would try and run to the bathroom and as you're running, it's not good. Okay? I would say just grab they a bucket. They would start puking in the bed and puke all the way into the bathroom. Anybody ever had that happen? To you? Yeah. It's like a trail. <laughs> I don't need to be an excellent tracker to spot this one by cracky. So we would, we would both inevitably jump out of bed, you know, with the greatest of klutziness, trying to run in the dark because you hear the sound, you go running towards your kid's room, and we had really a system. We never talked about it. We just had a system. I took the child. Because you know, you're the lover. Cleaned the, the, the hair, got them all but cleaned up, that kind of thing, and he took the worst job which was the sheets, the carpet, changing the sheets, going down, washing everything out, and getting the green machine out. There's nothing like dealing with piles of puke in the middle of the night, right? <laughs> it's just amazing. But yeah, we, we did our part. And uh, my part was that I was going to take care of the worst job so she could do what she was best at. So give himself. Second of all is to help her be a better person. Uh, he said... So the first way you love is by giving yourself. The second way is help her be a better person. So I have this tendency, and I call it um, like a spin, if you want to call it, in my brain. It, ladies, you ever get that where you're worried about something or not thinking clearly about something, and it just keeps like rolling. It's like one of those terrible songs that gets stuck in your head. And I will tell you, our version of he helps me be a better person is sometimes I will clue him in to, oh my goodness, I can't believe this happened or that happened. And he'll say to me, Robin, it's okay. And he, he helps me differentiate between stinking thinking and proper thinking. Anybody so ever have that? This morning first service, something happened yesterday and 
she, she rolling was in my brain, just rolling, rolling this morning. And I leaned over to her and I said, it's okay, leave it alone. You don't need to go there anymore. We're done with it, all right? We, know, we got this figured out. We know how we're gonna act and move forward. Quit, quit, quit worrying about it. That's, and and that's, um, in that passage, it says that God makes us holy. And, and he makes her holy, speaking of the bride. Well, part of my job is to help my wife become a more holy person, a more godly person. So I'm there to help her be a better person. And he participates, and we work together on it. And then the next instruction would be to cover my faults. And that is cleansing her. So, so back, back to the story. Let's okay. go back to the story of the kayak, okay? okay? So when we're in a kayak, we're in a two-person kayak. I do 70% of the work, at, at least. And she's up there rowing, rowing. She'll row a little bit, and then she'll stop and watch. <laughs> and, and you know what? It's, I like to get sun, too. I, I'll go like this, you know? He's so doing all the heavy my work. Job, it's my job to make sure that what she is lacking gets covered. And another way, this is a real practical way, all right? Very practical. Um, I'm not sure my wife has ever filled a gas tank <laughs> in her life. She'll get in the car and it's always on empty and there are like sirens blaring and everything going <laughs> off and she just doesn't like to get gas and I, I don't blame her. Do you know what I consider it an honor to do? Uh, early on in our marriage I complained about it especially when I broke my foot because I took her car <laughs> and I ran out of gas with her car. But that's all right. Um, that's a long story. But you know what I, I decided I was going to do? I decided it would be an honor for me to put gas in her car for her. That, that would be something I would do to cover her. Just, yeah. So that, that's what it says, cover her faults by cleansing her right. through the washing through the word is what. So, so Jesus does it for us, yeah. Practically, this is day-to-day -day life. This is how you cover somebody. This isn't, I mean, when you read it, it doesn't actually seem like it can apply until you realize that it's today, right? It's today's problems and issues. And the next thing would be that pursue her, it says in Ephesians, pursue her. Present hey. her to yourself is what the text says. Yeah. But you basically, you pursue her. So husbands, take your wives out. Go do something special. It doesn't have to be expensive, right, ladies? We just want to know you care. That's right. Take, take her on a date to Taco Bell and leave the phone at home. Yep. So you can actually look her in the eye. All right. The next one is loyalty. Love her as your own body is what the text says. Be loyal to her. And this means you have affection only for her. And that's heart, mind, soul, and eyes. Uh, provide for her. Feed and care for her. This, by the way, this isn't the 50s, so that doesn't mean the man's got to be the breadwinner, the woman's got to stay home with the kids. Listen, that's not what that means. What it means is that you actually provide for her to make sure her needs are met. I go back to the car and the gas tank, and I could give you 50 others, but you know what I'm saying. You just make sure that what she needs, she gets. And then the last one is die for her. Now, this sounds awfully... Yeah, all guys, you know, somebody breaks in my house, I'm going to go down and I'll show them, I'll teach them a lesson. There's something in all of us guys that we sort of like do that. We, the big moment we want to be bold, the big moment we want to be the man, the big moment I will stand and I will defend my household, right? But that's not what it's talking about. Jesus loved himself, loved us so much that he gave himself up for us and he gave himself up by dying not just once, but he died in Gethsemane, and he died before. He died over and over again when he laid down his rights, 
his desires, his wants. He laid it down to give the church what the church needs. And guys, I know you want that magnanimous moment where you can be the man, but I want you to know that you can be the man every day by making a choice to die for, die to you so that she can get what she wants. And this is love. Now, just a second. Let me, let me go off here. All right, guys, can I talk to you guys? Our default setting is this, is that we love really well, but we just love the wrong things. We love 55-inch TVs. I love my golf clubs, right? Yeah. I love your car. You know, your big engine that you work on out in the garage all the time. Anybody, right, guys? Don't we love our stuff? Do you know why we love all that stuff? We are lovers. We are, you, God made you and designed you to be a lover. And, and a lot of us, we have loved our boat more than our spouse. The reason is because the boat and the golf clubs and the TV and the cars, they don't talk back. <laughs> so when you love them, they love you quietly. <laughs> and that is peaceful. But when a woman loves you, she loves you back. Sometimes it ain't so peaceful. But God designed you to be a lover. And I believe he gave you a strength of character, men, that you don't even recognize you have. And that character you have is that you can be the sacrificer of what you love because you're only fulfilled when you make somebody better with your love. And that's how you get fulfilled. And that's God's design. Right. So if you're confused, I don't know, I don't know how to love my wife. Maybe, maybe you're a little crusty in it now. Maybe you guys have been married and it's gone a little stale. Ask her, take her out, ask her. And ladies, speak up and tell them what would make you feel loved. Is it a note? Is it flowers? Is it just being around? I don't know. But you know what? There has to be a solution to a, to a crusty old relationship that you're just living in the same house together and life is no fun anymore. Figure it out. You married that person for a reason. Go back there. Go back to that reason. And guys, love her. Love her. Second of all, ladies, second command, the word is respect. And respect is to be given to him. Respect. So uh, respect is to be given to him. So this passage, though, is really funny. We just read a lot of words about how guys are supposed to love their wives. But you know what we don't read a lot of words of? how ladies are supposed to respect their husband. What do we read? Ephesians 5.33. However, one of, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife, eh, she must respect her husband. And? <laughs> Come on, Paul's got a lot to say to guys and not much to ladies. Maybe that's because I think on the core of us all, we sort of have an understanding what it means to respect. I think maybe we have that. And I would argue, I would argue this. If you don't believe me, go to Love and Respect or get the book. Go to Love and Respect and you're going to read or you're going to hear in Love and Respect, you're going to hear some stats and facts and figures. There's all kinds of social experiments that have been done. Guys, listen to me. Your default setting is that you need to be respected. And I will say that disrespect hits a man differently than disrespect hits a woman. It hits a man differently. As a matter of fact, anybody ever heard that song? R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Who sang that? Aretha. So she wrote it, huh? No, she didn't. You know why? No woman would have ever written that song. It was written by a guy. Aretha did a great job singing it. 
putting into feeling what a guy said, but I'm going to tell you, respect actually is something that every guy needs. It's default setting, and that's to be respected. Respect, I, I think why there's no definition of it, like there was love earlier, is because it's an attitude, and attitudes are hard to first off, nail down, and they're also hard to correct, right? Because it's hard to have, it's easy to have a bad attitude. It's a lot harder to have a good one. So we're going to talk about a, a couple ways that respect is shown. First off, there's unintentional disrespect. Now, I think most ladies fall into this category. Unintentional disrespect. They, we think we're helping, right? So we jump into a situation, whatever that situation is, and we end up showing a lot of disrespect to our husbands because we try and take control, thus making them feel like they're not doing it correctly. I'm going to say to people in general, I'm thinking of a couple of instances where ladies have think they're helping and they just go on and they go on. And when things don't happen the way they want to, they jump into the control mechanism to try to manipulate it into happening. And I've never seen this happen in all my 32 years of marriage or all my 35 years of ministry. And what happens that's, is... That's sarcasm. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, and, and the motive that you start out with unintentional and it turns into disrespect. So if you want a man to be married to, and I mean a man, I don't mean a boy, I mean a man, then you have to talk to him like a man and not like one of your children. There, there's something in every man that wants to be a man. And, uh, yeah. All right, so say, uh, TV shows are undermining this. Our culture's undermining that a man wants to be a man. As a matter of fact, think of the bumbling idiot in every show. It's always a guy. It's never, anyway. Uh, so the so second way that, that communication is difficult around respect is not just unintentional disrespect, but... But you can also give ladies intentional respect. Hmm. So how does that look, okay? So it's when you intentionally lift your husband up. It doesn't have to be your husband, but since we're talking about that today, intentional respect is when you go out of your way to lift them up. And nearly this happens almost all of the time by affirming words, by verbal affirmation of them. So our passage is in Ephesians 5.33, but if you back up just about 25, 30, 35 verses, you're going to run into this passage in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, do not let any unwholesome or rotten talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful, and here's the word, for building others up. This is a construction. Uh, it's a construction word. It's like building a house. You're, oh, your word should be what is useful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Now, this works for little boys. Too. It, it, any, any parents have boys? Listen to me for just a second. Your little boy wants to be a man. There's not a 10-year-old boy in this world that doesn't want to be a man. And, and if you want them to become a man, you need to talk to them like they're a man. So when things happen that go haywire in your world, you say to them, listen, I expect you to be a man, and that's not how, men don't lie about things like that. They just don't do it. That's not how a man acts. And I think one of the things you could do to build up guys in your world is to intentionally raise the bar of behavior by asking them and calling out man-like characteristics to them. As a matter of fact, there's a story in our past. We've been married for 32 years plus, going on 33. And um, the best words my wife ever spoke to me 
was one day we had a difficult situation here at the church and it wasn't easy and it wasn't fun and I had to do some discipline and I had to call out things that were wrong and I had to institute some discipline and I had to it, it just wasn't fun and I had to try to be loving in the middle of it all because I want to love them but it was not working right and everything was haywire and I had to remain calm which if you know me is really hard to do because I want to get mad and tell you what to do and, and instead I, I guided through the situation we got home after that and we were in the kitchen I'll never forget we were standing in the kitchen and, and she turned to me and she said you have some big ones and he said that's the nicest thing I've ever said to him I'm like, but for a guy, they are built up when you acknowledge their character and their performance when they act. So ladies, if you catch your husband doing something great, tell him. It's an awesome way to intentionally build respect. You know what? I don't know a person in here that doesn't like to know that they've been noticed, right? So notice him, ladies. Don't go, don't go down the house hallway another minute and not respect and honor him for something that he's done or is doing. We're going to talk about this in just a second, but ladies literally use twice the number of words a day a man does. Twice. The studies have been done. Um, wouldn't it be great if you use those words, according to this passage on the screen, to build up rather than tear down? Um, I, I just read a book recently on brain formation and how that we can get the better attributes out of people that we're in, in relationship with. And what they said was, is if you will set the bar for them verbally, then they will live up to the bar. And most of us, we use our words to tear down instead of build up. Why don't you tell them what you expect out of them? That, that my son, my husband, yeah, my husband's strong. Yeah, you, you know, you dealt with that good. You're a good man. I, I think you're awesome. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You say words like that, you're going to need to get new shirts for them because he's going to pop all the buttons. <laughs> the chest is just going to explode. Uh, use those words that way. So, uh, and can we back one other thing? Uh, back up to, to men love your wives. Women are commanded to respect their husbands. Do you know why? Because it's not easy. It's not your default setting. Your default setting is to love, not to respect. So you're commanded to respect because it's hard for you to do. But guys, we're commanded to love. Do you know why? Because it's hard for us to do. We want to love ourselves, but we're commanded to love our spouses. Now listen to me. One, you need to hear this no matter who you are. Our world says love is an emotion and a feeling. If it's a love and an emotion and a feeling, then how can God command us to do it? So love is not an emotion. What is love? It is a choice, an action, and a behavior. It is something you choose to do. And that is what love is. Now, those feelings you call love, that's infatuation. And you can be infatuated over roller coasters or pizza or ice cream late at night. I don't know. But you know what love is? Love is a choice. What is respect? I believe it is also a choice coming back. So how do you know if you're communicating respectful? Just a couple of questions to help identify that. First, what's your motive in what you're saying? So there's a quote, say what you Once mean. Once again, do you notice that clock up there? Yeah. I hate that thing. <laughs> I hate that clock. I was just not noticing yeah, it. Yeah, we got we to move, so, so let's go. Um, there's a saying that says, say what you mean, but don't say it mean. 
Okay, so we always are talking about setting boundaries in our life. We need to set boundaries, you know, and when we think of a boundary, we think of a fence. And so we were discussing this and I said, why are there barbs at the top of a fence? Shouldn't a fence be good enough, right? If I set a boundary, it should be good enough. But there's barbs around the top of many fences because sometimes what we say are those sharp barbs. A fence and a boundary isn't good enough. We want to we want to stab them too at the same time. Ladies, be very, very careful of the sharp barbs or the mean words that you say to your man. It's not, you're not setting a boundary in that case. You're actually hurting and you're tearing down. So we were talking about this and uh, as we're talking about this, she's standing in the kitchen and I'm making notes and she, uh, she turned to me and she said, I'm not sassy, I'm just mean. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was good because sometimes you just have to acknowledge sometimes that sometimes verbally or our attitudes aren't the, aren't in the right place and sassy is not a way to get your point across and so we were we were joking about it and he started laughing but ladies make sure the motive of what is the motive of what you're saying second one is what am, uh, am I talking just to process or am I talking to solve a problem so talking to process is like this um, you know, ladies use words a lot because anybody in the room a verbal processor? Anybody in the room, you get a problem, you just got to talk it out and you just go blah, 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 Well, if you look at verbal processor in the dictionary, there's the picture right here, verbal processor. And, uh, you know, she'll talk about anything and everything all the time. Even if I'm downstairs washing, you know, the clothes, she'll be talking to me. And, and what I've learned is, is that her words don't necessarily mean that she's being negative to me when she's talking about a problem. So sometimes when you're processing, ladies, make sure that your processing stays to processing and doesn't turn to the person. So that's when it becomes disrespectful. So if I'm processing, I don't know, how to unscrew this bottle cap, and I turn to him and I say, you never helped me with anything, okay? I just went from processing to an attack. That's when it becomes disrespectful. Okay. So the next question is ask, what is more important? What I'm saying or who I'm talking to? You can give respect to somebody without demoralizing them, or you can, you can honor them without having to feel like you're going down. I, I'm trying to articulate you're not this less way. because you're not you less. honor someone. Yeah. Yes. As a matter of fact, if you have to put somebody down to make yourself feel better, then you are not communicating properly. And Jesus said that we are to love one another as we love ourselves. So you need to ask what's important. Is it what's more important, the point I'm trying to make or who I'm talking to? So that person I'm communicating with should be more important than the point I'm trying to make. And that's hard for me sometimes. Anyway, and remember, I like to make points. And remember, uh, how you respond with nonverbal communication is actually more important than your words oftentimes. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, 90% of your communication is nonverbal. So your body language, your eyes, you know, uh, anybody ever walked around the corner and flipped them off around the corner? Oh, a couple of people laughed. You've done that. So um, when, you, when you're dealing with nonverbal, just be careful. You're nonverbal. If, you, if you're feeling that level of agitation, you're probably giving it away in nonverbal clues. And if you're giving it away in nonverbal clues, you will not be communicating respect to anybody. 
So there are a couple of ways to deal with this disrespect in a relationship and the, in the communication. The first one is the guy needs to speak up. So I, I've been in a lot of counseling situations. I've counseled dozens, if not hundreds of couples over the years. And I've seen it multiple times. The guy sits there and, and the woman will start with what the problem is and the guy does this. Do you know what he just did? It's called shutting down. And, and when you shut down, what you do is you feel disrespected and you don't want to go violent. You don't want to go yell. You just want to hide. It's sort of like the, the, the kid whose mom's yelling at him and he goes in the other room. And a, a lot of adult males are still dealing with this issue shutting down, except sometimes it looks like this. Turning up the TV, turning on ESPN, or leaving the room, or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, so guys, in those moments, listen, what you need to do is you need to speak up. You need to communicate what you're feeling. It's all right to communicate what you're feeling. Those words you spoke to me didn't seem very respectful. Mm -hmm. That that's made me, good. Yeah. That's good to say. You're not saying it meanly, but you're actually verbalizing what you just said to me. I'm not feeling very respected. Now, as a lady, when you see those nonverbal and verbal signs coming out, you have one of two options. You can continue in attack mode, which I'm not going to recommend. Okay? <laughs> okay, that's not something I, I would recommend. Or you can realize that my husband is shutting down. I, he's telling me how he feels. I need to listen. I need to respond accordingly, and I might just need to shut up for a bit. And if this continues to be a problem, the problem might not be your words and your communication. It might actually be that you don't respect them. And if you don't respect, if you don't respect them, then you have a real problem. Uh, it will show, it will come up, it will be communicated, and you need to get some help. If you look at your person that you're married to or the person you're in a relationship with and you don't respect them, you need to get some help. Just get some help, all right? And going back to our kayak story from earlier, one of the reasons you can respect your mate is when you can trust them. Mm -hmm. You believe the best in them. They're not in it to hurt you. They're not in it for any other reason. So in our story that we were saying, you paddle on the left side, we had a destination. The destination was an island, and we were trying to get to that island. The thing was, I was very content with not going around the island, and I'll tell you why. But he, not me. No, he wanted to go around the island. But here's the thing, the worker specifically said twice, if you go around that island and you get 50 feet off of the island, there is a current and it will take you out. We recommend that you stay close to the island. Well, my non-risk-taking self said, no need to go around the island. Let's just stay on this side of the island then. But of course, his risk-taking side said, let's just go around the island. We'll stay real close. So verbal processor that I was, I'm talking the whole way out to the island. Blah, 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 let's blah, not go blah, out blah, too blah. far. Let's not go out too far. Don't you stay closer to the story. Blah, 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 and when that happened, and when that happened, he was like, no, we'll be okay. Just trust me. We, I'm not going to get us in that current. Trust me. We're going to stay exactly where we were. At that time, 
He didn't call me a name. He didn't do anything like that. I did not divert it over to him as well. We ended up staying close, and we live today because we went around the island, but he kept me safe, and but I trusted him. Not only that, we had a good ride. It was, had, fun. it was so fun. It was fun. We got to see new things. We got to go new places, which are things we like to do. Cord Notice shared value here. We like to go new places, see new things. We found something we like to do together. We choose to do it together. Tension always comes up when we do it, but we keep doing it, and we're going to keep working on it to get better at it. That's how you have a healthy relationship right there. So respect equals trust. You got to be able to trust who's steering you around the island. All right. So the third word is submission. And we'll be quick on this one. The third word is submission. And uh, when I mention submission uh, in regards to marriage, the hackles go up on the backs of people's neck. Listen, um, if, if, I just want to say this, that if you want power in your marriage, you've already lost. If you want power in your marriage, you've already lost. The most powerful person who ever walked the face of this earth was completely, fully, 100% submitted to God the Father. Mm -hmm. And he was submitted to his disciples and to us to die for us. The most powerful person that ever walked on this earth was Jesus Christ, and he was completely submitted in everything he did. Submission is a good word, not a bad word. So when I talk about submission, if you see it as you having to be weak, you've bought the world's lies rather than Jesus' example. So submission is a part of this passage. Yes, it is. Paul writes, and when he writes in this letter, and we'll read in another letter, he makes a very clear statement about submission. He says, submit to one another... Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So out of fear of Christ, a fear for God, Christ himself, we submit to one another. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, and the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is a savior. Now the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands on everything. So this submitting that's going on is to one another. By the way, that, that verse there, I, I did a Greek for you so you can read it in the Greek. Verse 21 says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. And there's not a new sentence like there was in the other version because it's, it's the same word. And then it just says, wives to your own husbands. So what's going on here is there's only one word of submission, and it's the first one. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives to your own husbands is how that should read. And it should be one sentence, not two. And my point in saying that is, is we're to submit to one another. If you want a healthy marriage, you have to submit to one another. You want a healthy church, you have to submit to one another. You want a healthy family, you have to submit to one another. You want a healthy workplace, you have to submit to one another. You put the good of the whole above the good of yourself. Now, one other thing here, he's using an example, and that's that Christ is the head and we are the body. And then, I, I think this is really interesting because then he turns around and says, the husband's the head and that wife is the body. And that doesn't mean superior, subservient. What that means is this. If I take a body and I cut the head off, what do I have? Dead. A head without a body is dead. A body without a head is dead. The two need each other. So they need each other to get anything done. So also, in a marriage, a man and a woman need each other to get anything done. If you get rid of the head, it's dead. You get rid of the body, it's dead. 
All right. Now, Paul uses this same argument in another location. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11. It says, nevertheless, in the woman, uh, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as the woman came from the man, so also is born of a woman, so everything comes from God. And what he's saying here is this, is we need each other. By the way, there is, there's only been one, one baby that's ever been born with a woman only. Everybody else needs a man involved, right? Well, in vitro fertilization. Yeah, but some man put that in the tube. Y'all following? So what I'm saying is this. There's, and what Paul's greater teaching here is, is that we need each other, so we should therefore submit to one another. So um, it's sort of like this. If you have a puzzle, and in order, I have my piece of the puzzle, he has his piece of the puzzle. Neither piece is greater than the other, but we work together to make a picture of a beautiful life together for our beautiful family or your beautiful job or whatever you're working. I have my piece. It's not less or lower than or, or anything than his, but if we can accept the piece that I am, it all works together really nice. And if I can set, if we can accept that he needs to love me and that I need to respect him and then mutually we need to submit together you can have that beautiful life that you always wanted to but you know what it 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 takes dying it takes living for the other person but i'm going to tell you in the end you are going to be really happy and life's going to be fun because at the end of that kayak story we got to that island we went around that island we actually did some other cool stuff at that time because we were we were mutually submitting as we paddled together and we had a blast. And if you want your life to have a blast, these three elements will give you a life worth living. All right, so I'm gonna wrap up today by telling you one more, well, two more kayak stories, you ready? Our very first kayak trip, very first. It was a long time ago, it was 20 years ago, I think. We're in a two-person kayak and we were at a place where there was a black lava rock and the black lava rock was creating waves. So me being a bit of an adventurer, we were gonna go out and go through the waves and ride them in, because I'd been surfing on those waves the day before and I was gonna do a kayak, it'd be fun, right? Yeah, except for one thing, we get in the wave, I get us all lined up, paddle us the right way, and we go, and the first thing she does is she leans forward. She sort of hunkers down. We get up on the wave and the nose goes like this, and then she leans forward which puts more weight on the nose. So what do you think happened? We got cut up bad. So we flipped and I was under the kayak at that point. It was our, my first time to ever kayak and uh, I didn't understand the principle of leaning back to distribute the weight. So that was, a, that was quite a lesson. Yeah, we got cut up, we got hurt. We literally got cuts on us, all over us because our first attempt was a fail. I want you to hear that. Our first attempt was a fail. But if we would have quit or called it quits, we would have missed all the fun. A few years ago, we were at a different location and this time there were those same, actually these were a little bigger, about six foot waves with white wire curls. And uh, I rode us outside of that and then we go back in and she's like, no, don't put it in that. And you know, we're having this discussion again, once again. And I say, lean, you know, we're going lean back. So she leans back and she does it. And, and we ride this wave and it was a, man, it was a big wave. And we caught it and we rode it and we get back out of the waves. And she turns around and says, that was so much fun. We should go do it again. 
Now listen, most of the fun in life and marriage isn't gonna be when you wreck the first time. It's gonna be when you learn the lessons so that you can do it better in the future. And if you're in this room today and you've goofed up and you've made some mistakes, either your own personal life or maybe in relationships, I just wanna tell you, it's not over. It's not over. If you'll learn the lessons, it's not over. I'd like you to bow your heads with me if you would, please. If you think it's over because you've goofed up, it's not. God loves you. God gave his only son that all of our sins could be washed away and we could live in his freedom. And we could live in forgiveness and we could get second chances and third chances and 10 millionth chances. And if you're in this room today and you think you've used up God's grace and God's love, you have not. He still loves you and he's willing to work with you. So Father, I pray that today, if the person listening to me right now feels that they've goofed it up too much, I just pray that your forgiving, loving, merciful grace would be given to them and you would show them that you love them and you cover them in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now, if you're here with somebody that you love, I want you to reach over and grab their hand real quick. We're gonna pray a prayer. Father, on this Valentine's Day, I pray that we would learn to be people of love and respect and submission and that we would love each other the way we should, that our husbands would love their wives the way they should. Wives would respect their husbands the way they should, and together they would be submitted to one another. And I pray that if they wreck or they make stupid mistakes, they get all cut up, that they would get back in it. And the next time, having learned the lessons, they would love long and awesome and fun in the name of Jesus. We honor marriage because you gave us marriage to honor. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for being a part.